Welcome to Behind the Visual, a podcast where I interview all the people responsible for creating all the images and videos you see out in your world every single day. I am your host, lifestyle and advertising photographer, Mark Hansen, and today my guest is actor Gentry White. Gentry is an American actor whose works have spanned theater, film, and television. He is most notable for his role as Romeo in Lifetime's Critics' Choice Award-winning drama series, Unreal, as well as his portrayal of Garrett Jacks in the book-turned-MTV series, The Shannara Chronicles. He can also be seen in small roles for such films as Furious 7 and the Netflix original movie XOXO. But most recently, Gentry can be seen playing Charles Jr. on the Cinemax original series, Jet, starring Carla Gugino. So definitely go check that out, guys. And uh, here we go with Gentry White. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, dude, thanks for doing this, man. I appreciate you taking the time to do yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Of course. It was, a, it was a surprise. I was like, I would love to. So. Yeah. Cool. Good. Yeah. Cause I was, I was looking through, I'm not on Facebook a lot anymore, but I was looking through Facebook and I, I saw your name on there and I was like, Gentry White. I was like, damn, dude, it's been a while. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't know you're doing all the stuff you're doing, man. That's killer. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. I'm in LA right now. So, what made you like? When was it when you were a kid, or whenever? Well, I know it's when you were a kid. What was it that made you like really want to become an actor and really get into your blood to do this? Oh man, I think I was. Uh, I mean, I was a kid. I, my my mom put me in uh, acting classes when I was in first grade, so I was about five or six. And she said that she wanted me to have good social skills. So she felt like it was good for me to like be a part of something like that. And I got a scholarship to the, Char- the Charlotte Children's Theater. Oh, wow. That's and cool. um, yeah, when I was five. So, so, um, and my mom said something about like, basically it was a scholarship for like a kid whose parent like couldn't really necessarily afford for their, for them to be there. So like the kid with the parent wrote a letter expressing why their child should be a part of the company and i got into it uh oh, that's great you know man. that way and stuff yeah yeah but i don't think i really i don't think i really knew that that's what i was doing at the time i think i was i think it took a few more years before i realized like this is something i really wanted to do so i think it was a bit more watching television i remember i used to love watching full house with my mom and I used to watch a lot of Disney Channel, oh, yeah, and I was yeah. like, I want to do that. You know, I was like, I could do that, you know. Do you remember so. your first job? Um, my first professional job? First one you got paid, yeah. Oh, man. My first job I got paid, I was in an ad for the Charlotte Lynx Light Rail. Um, when, the, when the light rail system first started in Charlotte, yeah. Uh, I did a photo shoot for it and it was like the first job that I had done with the first talent agency I was ever a part of in Charlotte and yeah and it was such a big deal to me and I still have the pamphlet that I was on <laughs> oh yeah man that's very cool yeah I did something yeah when I, I was it. I did something when I was young and it made me want to be an actor but obviously it didn't work out I um there was a department store called Roses and I think they're like Oh yeah, still left around, but I had 
friends whose dad worked at the TV, local TV station. He was one of some big wig at local TV station. And they, the TV station was doing a commercial for Roses and I was in first grade and they said, hey, you want to come swing on some swings and play on the playground or whatever? And I was like, yeah. So I went and you know, I slid down a slide, was on the swing, got paid 25 bucks. I was like, that's the best money I've ever made in my life. Yeah. <laughs> I would love to do that. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, I decided to get on the backside of the camera later in life instead yeah, of being well, yeah. <laughs> so this thing started when you were young then what made you at one point did you decide you're going to LA dude um I think I wanted to move to LA before I was even uh, out of high school I yeah. was I was maybe 17 I think um and I knew that LA was where I wanted to go but I didn't really have the means at the time you know um, yeah. And I was also graduating high school, and then I was—I moved to Africa for like two years between high school really? and LA. What'd you do? Yeah, in Africa? so uh, I was a missionary. I was—I grew okay. up Mormon, so I was a Mormon missionary in Africa for a bit. And, Where? Um, I moved out here in, uh, in West Africa, Ghana. Okay. Damn, wow. Yeah. Yeah. I've always I wanted to go to Africa. I thought that would be very cool, but that's a long it, flight. It, it, it is a long flight, but it is probably one of the best experiences that I've ever had in my life. So definitely recommend it. Yeah. All right. Well, at some point, I'm going to try and get there, man. I'm, it's on my bucket list of places to go, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So after you were in Africa you, for two years, you came back here? Yeah. So I, so I moved to Africa, moved back to North Carolina for about three and a half weeks, found a place in L.A., my mom was like, I can help you pay the rent for that place, but this is the money that I was going to give you to go to college. So, and that's not much, but, you know, here's this. And she was like, if, if it doesn't work out within a year, she was like, that's about all the money that I can help you with. So, you know, you'll have to come back home or something. And I was like, okay, I'll do it, <laughs> you know. So I flew out and I, I uh, started living out here. Uh, that was 2011, and it's you know 2020 now. Yeah. So, so did you have help? A decade. How did that? I mean, um, you, did you uh, just fly out, or did you have some people you knew out here ahead of time that could help you try and get gigs, or how'd that work? No, I didn't. I didn't actually know anything. I mean, so because I, you know, because of the Mormon Church, um, I was able to contact them here in LA. And they kind of helped me find someone that uh, there was an older guy here, um, maybe 76 years old. He, you know, all his kids had grown up and moved out of the house and stuff. And he had like four bedrooms. He would rent out those rooms to return missionaries that were like in college in L.A. And so somebody put me in touch with him and he was like, yeah, I have a room. It's, I think four hundred and twenty dollars a month and I was wow. like oh yeah. yeah I was like okay I can do that you know and, and and so my mom I asked my mom I was like mom can I do that and she was like go for it and I was like okay and that was it like I just got on the plane one way ticket and I was here dude that's great that your mom backed you up on that and then like no 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 you got to go to school first before oh, you yeah. can do that or whatever that's really cool 
my mom's backed me the my mom has backed me my whole career you know and she still does she even knows that i'm doing this right now and she yeah. also remembers driving me to to your house for my very first <laughs> headshot shoot <laughs> i was i was 15 or 16 years old and i'm 30 yeah. now so yeah, yeah. we shot well we shot out in the, in the middle of the road didn't we yeah, Something we shot like that. Road, yeah. I think in the backyard. I think, yeah, I remember the window seal, like all kinds of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember yeah. shooting you. Yeah, yeah, that was <laughs> cool. So what was so when you got out there? What was the biggest thing you had to deal with, man? I mean, like, how did you like start doing castings? And what was I know because L.A. is not exactly Charlotte, and but then again, you just came from yeah. Africa, so you kind of get used to it's everything. A, it's so a, it's a lot. Let's see. I'll, I'll try to. I'll try to maybe put it in some kind of order for you. Yeah. So when I was, when, when I met you, I had just gotten with the talent agency, um, Evolution Models and Talent. And they were like, you know, we need headshots and, you know, modeling portfolio pics and all this kind of stuff. So, you know, you were the person that they recommended. I found you and we went from there. And so from there, I went to a talent convention that the agency created. It's called Talent Inc. And I won overall male model in 2008. And I got second place in like film scene. And I had like just won a whole lot of awards from that place. But I was also scouted by a talent agency in LA. And so at that point, I was 17 years old. And this agency in LA had asked me after the convention, they were like, we really like you. We'd love for you to come to LA and work with us for a year, you know, and see how things go. And I was like, uh, I'm going to be moving to Africa when I graduate <laughs> high school. So I don't really know if I can do that. Um, but in between, you know, I had some time in between. So I would, I moved to Miami and I worked with a talent agency out there and I just kind of auditioned a little bit, just kind of get my feet wet. But Miami is not the no, not Miami is. Oh, he froze up. Wait, hold up. Whoa. Completely froze. froze. Oh, still there. Oh, there you go. Okay, yeah, there it is. Now we're back. Okay. Okay. Yeah, so you're in Miami. Yeah, I was in Miami. I was auditioning a bit, but um, realized it really wasn't. It really wasn't for me. Um moved back to North Carolina, went to Africa, did my two years there. And when I got back, that same talent agency from when I was 17 was now, um, the, the agent from that company was now a manager in LA. And so when I got back, I contacted my old agent at Evolution Models and Talent. And I was like, hey, Scott, you know, just got back. Yeah, I want to get back into it. You know, that I want to go full force. And he was like, okay, let me see if I can, you know, contact any of those old reps from, from the convention, you know? And so this was like two years prior and we're trying to see yeah. if they would still be interested in me, you know, two years from then. And so Lee Patrick uh, was the agent at uh, Rage, I think it was Rage Talent Group at the time. And she had become a manager for Evolution in LA. And so she was like, yeah, I'd love, you know, I'd love to bring you bring you in and stuff and so I was like oh wow so you know at least I had one connection there you know somebody who I'd already met before yeah as a teenager and you know now I was 20 years old getting ready to fly to LA so so yeah so I guess to answer your question from the beginning before I even moved to LA I had already had you know somebody kind of 
I still had to audition for her again, which right. made sense because it had been a couple yeah. of years. But yeah, she she was my contact, so it kind of kind of started from there. Oh, that's nice to have somebody already out there. Is she still your manager, or you've moved on from there? Oh no, I've had I've had uh, multiple managers since. Her. Is it is it like having a photo rep? Because I've had multiple photo reps, and there's some good ones, and there's some oh yeah, not so good ones. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's a relationship, you know, and it's just a matter of like. You know, it's like dating. You know, you're you're checking each other out and seeing how you do in different scenarios and whatever. And you know, either it'll work for the long run or it won't. You know. So, yeah. But she was fantastic. Cool. I got to say, for for a a 20 year old boy from the south, you know, she definitely took me under her wing and was super sweet. And you know, first time my mom ever came to L. A., she drove us around in her. It was like a F two fifty. Or something, and she, you know, really? took us to lunch, and yeah, we went to the museum and stuff, and it was just a really, it was really nice, and and I'm always grateful for her for that. So oh, that's very yeah. cool. Yeah, she didn't take yeah. you to the erotic museum, did she? No, <laughs> that was my mom. No. <laughs> I remember the first time I was out there and I saw that I was like, "There's a what? There's an erotic museum?" Oh, yeah. Okay, There's a little bit of everything out here. Yeah, we didn't quite make it there, but. <laughs> you, know, you never know maybe someday <laughs> right i'll take it yeah I'll maybe, maybe you'll come back on your way yeah. to africa <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> tell me what it's like dude when you first got out there and you started doing castings and all that kind of stuff is it like is it non-stop for you because i obviously um, had a year your mom said i got a year for you and get something done or get home uh, yeah so i mean so when i first moved here i I let me backtrack a little bit before I moved here I was only home for that three and a half weeks but I did a lot in those three and a half weeks because I was like I didn't even have a laptop so I, so I was like somebody gave me a laptop and on that it was an old like like mac book like with the color panels on the oh, side yeah, whatever wow. and so but I was but it worked and I could get the internet on it so I got on there found the guy that I was gonna you know move in with in LA and stuff the other five guys uh but before I also went and got my job back at TJ Maxx. So I, I had <laughs> worked at TJ Maxx. Yeah. yeah, so because I had worked at TJ Maxx from age 15 till I moved to LA because they transferred me out here to the wow. TJ Maxx here. Yeah, so I was very adamant about being as prepared as I could before I got here because I knew financially like that was the biggest thing people talked about and you know living in bigger cities like New York or LA. So I was like I just want to be as financially stable as I can. So I moved, um, they, they moved me from the TJ Maxx in Monroe, North Carolina to the one here in LA. And I worked there for about a month. And did you get a price? Did you get a, um, increase in your pay when you moved or is it the same? Pay? I did. It okay. Was, well, thank God was, for that. <laughs> yeah. It was like, I think it was like $8 an hour. And I was like, Oh my gosh. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> you know, but, I but <laughs> in North Carolina, I was making like six twenty five, and that right. was a raise. So, yeah. so yeah, so it seemed like a big deal, but I realized I was like, I cannot survive out here if I only work here, you know? Um, and there was a matter of also me going to school at Santa Monica college. So my mom was like, well, if you're not going to, she's like, you need to go to community college out there. And I was like, yeah, I'll do that. It has the best transfer rate and everything. And so I was working, but I was also trying to like set myself up to go to school two years of having graduated from high school. So I'm like trying to figure out how to do this. And I went to Santa Monica College. I took the bus because I didn't have a car. 
when I first moved yeah. to LA. I was, you know, either walking to work or I would just take the bus. And I had never taken a bus before because, you know, in Monroe, North Carolina, there's no buses. You either right, have yeah. a car or you, you know, somebody drops you off. And um, so I was learning the bus, going to work uh, and everything. And then, you know, I got signed with that management company and I started going on auditions here and there. And I realized that it was going to be really hard for me to balance work, school and auditioning because I was auditioning quite a bit. I was going out for commercials, print, any TV, anything. I was auditioning for anything I could go out for, you know, when I first got here. Yeah. And so I had to make the choice to not to go to school. And so I, I called my mom and I was like, mom, I think I'm going to be auditioning too much to go to school. I don't, I don't think I can do this. And she was like, Gentry, I don't know. Cause I just feel like, you know, <laughs> being a parent, she gets a little nervous yeah. or whatever. And I was just like, she was like, you know, we'll see how it goes. But all I'm telling you is if this doesn't work out, that's it. Like, I don't have any more money for you and this and that. And I was just like, okay, okay. So the first year I got here, that all happened. And within the first nine months, I booked a national uh, Apple campaign that ran for like really? five years. Yeah. So oh, I was in the that's Apple nice. Stores. Got those residuals coming in. Uh, well, it was, it was a print ad. So it was like, oh, was it? Oh, okay. big, yeah, we got a big chunk of money in the that's beginning. Good. Um, yeah. And it was the most money I had ever gotten before on a check in my life. I'd never seen you know, that much money and stuff. And I was, at that point, I had stopped working at TJ Maxx and I was working at a restaurant, you know, because now I was in, yeah. I'm starting to really like, you know, <laughs> wet my feet out here. And I knew I was like, a restaurant is where you need to be, you know, for flexibility wise, for the amount of income you can typically make and everything. And so I was working at that uh, restaurant. I just remember everybody asking me like, are you gonna quit now? Like you made so much money. And like, cause I went to Thailand, the job shot in Thailand. Oh really? Oh yeah. Nice. Yeah, wow. so they flew the four of us to Thailand for like 11 days. We just acted like we were tourists when really we were like very high paid tourists. Like we were, yeah. you know, like they like aged our clothes and stuff to try to make it look like we had been, you know, roughing it and stuff. But it was really, it was a really cool experience and probably the most lavish job I've ever been a part of, even though it looked like we were, you know, out in the sticks, just right. struggling. Yeah. Yeah, eleven day shoot. It was an eleven day shoot. Yeah, we were. Oh, yeah, that was a big twice. Check, man. Oh, yeah. yeah, it was good. And I mean, and Apple's money is like endless. So they were yeah. doing stuff. They were doing stuff on that job that like I wouldn't have even imagined. Like they would keep the bar open until we went to bed. Like, and this oh. bar closed at nine p.m. every day <laughs> on the island that we were on. But Apple would just be like, "Well, we'll just pay the staff and everybody to stay until we get ready to leave." And this happened every day, wow. you know, and I don't drink alcohol. So I was kind of like, man, you know, and so they were just like, oh, well, we can make up something for you. And they were like, I was like, great. So they were just mixing up stuff, and ginger and lemon and, you know, all kind of crazy good stuff. So, oh, that's killer, man. Yeah, yeah, I have a friend. Yeah. She's a, um, I have an art producer friend at a huge agency. And she's talking about how every time she goes, she goes out of the country a lot. She talks about how she's always flying business class, staying in the best hotel. She goes, it's a little bit of a shock when you got to do it on your own. <laughs> she said, because you're so used yeah. to doing that. And you have to use your own money. And it's like a completely different deal. I know that feeling. Because whenever you work on a, on a TV show, you usually get flown business class. 
whenever yeah. they're traveling you to wherever you're going. But then whenever I go home for Christmas, it's like, oh, nah, economy is where we'll be. So, <laughs> you know. Have you used skip lagged at all? No, what's that? You can't use it often because if you do, eventually they catch on. But so if you're coming, I flew from LA to back to Charlotte and I booked it very last minute. Uh, well, I was flying from LA to Charlotte or from Charlotte to LA and then back. And I was, my flight back, I booked it one way from LA to Charlotte, but I actually booked, and that was five, it was going to be $500. So what mm. I did was I went on skip lag, which shows you all these different flights. You can go on some go straight to your destination, some layover to your destination, go somewhere else. I ended up booking a flight to LaGuardia, I think. From, yeah. from LAX, but it laid over in Charlotte. So, and it was oh. 150 bucks. So for the wow. exact, and it was the exact same flight. There was, I mean, the same plane, the same number, the same, you know, you left at the same time, arrived at the same time. The only difference was when that plane landed in Charlotte, it hung out for an hour and then it continued on to LaGuardia. But wow. it was a $350 difference. $350, $400 difference in cost. Skip yeah. lag, huh? Yeah, but you can't right. take any bags. Lag. <laughs> yeah, but you wow. can only take a carry-on. So Okay, well, sometimes that's yeah. usually what I do when I go home anyway. Yeah, so if you're doing that, it's a, it's a good deal. I mean, airlines, it's not illegal. Evidently, they, airlines took the skip lag to court and they won. They don't like you doing it. So if you have points, you don't put down your like, frequent flyer number or anything so right, they catch right. on. <laughs> but I don't think they, I mean, if you do it every once in a while, not a big deal. Just um, make yeah. sure you, you uh, get on early because you don't want them going, oh, your overhead that. won't fit. You know, your carry-on won't fit. We're going to have to stick it underneath the plane. You're like, no, oh, no, wait, I'm not going to LaGuardia. <laughs> not in right, right. No, you're not. Yeah, I know a model who did that and she got on late and they, they told her she couldn't take her bag on the plane. And then she finally confessed and was like, Hey, I'm going, I'm getting off in Charlotte. I'm not going all the way to wherever. And they eventually oh, got wow. home, but they weren't happy about it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Whatever, that was a little man. sneaky. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it can save you a ton of cash if you do it, you know, every once in a while. Yeah. It sounds like it. Yeah. It's ridiculous. So tell me about the first acting gig you got in LA. What was that? First acting gig in LA, I was in, I was in a Taco Bell commercial. Really? <laughs> um, yeah, I was in a Taco Bell commercial. And I, I remember I, I didn't know how much work goes into food commercials. Um, and I remember I just had to hold this, like, it was when the Doritos Locos Taco first oh, came yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. And so I was in the commercial for one of those and they would bite into it and you would have to be like, wow or you would say like duh and you just and like and so we had to say it 20 times just in different variations just on the sidewalk as we ate our taco and like it was really cool it was a lot of people in it and um yeah i i don't know just thinking back on it i was like man that was so long ago and i just remember how excited i was to like bet. learn that i had booked that because like, even in north carolina i hadn't done anything that big you know and um yeah, it was really, it was really cool. So that was the first like commercial, you know, acting job that I did. Were you kind of blown away when you showed up on set and saw 
all the people and all the equipment and all everything it takes? Um, I don't, I don't think I was that blown away, uh, because I had been an extra and oh, okay, since yeah. I was 15 or 16. That's I, a boring gig right I, there. It's extremely, you know, <laughs> and for anybody that listens to this, do not believe the extra work is like acting. It's like as necessary as extras are. I was like, you can't really consider that to be like the job because I was no. like, nah, we need you. We need you there, but it's not, it's not gonna. Where were you getting paid rarely. to be an extra? Oh man. Like not even a hundred dollars. Yeah, that's yeah, ridiculous. Yeah. I remember I, I did yeah. it. I had a friend of mine as a casting agent. She called me one time years ago and asked me to do two days on a set. And I just happened to have, I had two days open. I was like, all right, I'll do it. And it was 75 bucks a day or something. Yeah. And I went there and did one day, sat around all day long, literally did maybe 15 to 30 minutes of actual work, talked to the on-set photographer during lunch the whole time and then called her up. I was like, I can't do this two days in a row. And she was like, all yeah. right, that's fine. We can get somebody else to cover your spot. Yeah. That's it. Like I was like, I, you know, I knew when I moved to LA that I wasn't going to be an extra again. I made, I made a, a hard choice about that. I was like, I'll do whatever it takes, but being an extra doesn't really get you to, to where I wanted to go at least. So. Yeah. Well, that's good, man. Yeah. Yeah. That was smart. That yeah. Was smart. Was, yeah. So when did you get your first reoccurring role that you wasn't just a one-off kind of deal? I was on a television show called Turn Washington Spies. Yeah. Um, and I played yeah. a character named Billy Lee. Uh, and he was the right-hand man to George Washington. Um, George Washington was the, the governor at the time. Uh, okay. Whenever he, whenever Billy Lee, this is true. You know, so this is this I portrayed like a real person and um, an actor named Ian Khan portrayed George Washington. And uh, it was really interesting because when I auditioned for the role, I auditioned for season one and it was the first time I think I had ever gotten a producer session. So I had so, you know, you go to an audition and then you get a call back. And then you have a producer session and then they usually make a decision from that. They might have one more round, but for the initial audition, because I was still so green at the time, I had a pre-read. So a pre-read is a, an audition before the actual audition. <laughs> so, yeah. So it was like, there's no So you had to audition room. to be able to audition. Yeah, basically. <laughs> so it's like, you know, just to give people a real understanding of like the length in which this can kind of go. But I'm sure after this whole virus is over and we're back auditioning and everything, I was like, I doubt there'll be pre-reads happening ever again. Cause I don't think people will want to be around. <laughs> I don't think any one casting director is going to want to have that many actors rotating in and out of their office like that, but we'll find that out when it comes. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, so I had a pre-read. And from that pre-read, she actually asked me, the casting director um, asked me to come straight to the producer session. So I was flattered. I was, oh, wow. you know, yeah. beyond myself because I was like, wow, you know, and this is a, a role that I really like. So I went to the producer session and there was the writer, um, two producers, two casting directors and somebody running the camera. And, you know, this was this was like a lot. And I remember going to the waiting room and there were other actors that I had seen on stuff before. And, you know, the waiting room was probably one of the the biggest obstacles of an audition because you have to talk yourself down from freaking yourself out the whole time. 
So it's like, and you could be in that, you could be in the waiting room for five minutes or an hour and a half, you know? And so you're seeing all these people and you're trying not to let the fact that, you know, you recognize these people from shows that you love and enjoy, but you're trying to tell yourself that like, you could be that guy. I could still be that guy. I can't. I can't like focus on this person beside me, even though I want to be like, you were amazing on this movie that I, <laughs> you know? So, you know, you just have to like get rid of all of that, you know, settle your energy. And so it's a real like mind game to like sit there around people that you admire, but still feel like you're like one of their peers. And yeah, so, yeah. you know, that was, that was kind of like what I remember feeling. And I remember just seeing a, a guy uh, that I know really well there and, you know, you kind of don't want to talk to anybody in the waiting room because you don't want to lose the energy that you have there and the focus that you have for your appointment and stuff. And so anyway, so I go into the room and um, I auditioned and they said I did a great job and I didn't get the part. And that cast director didn't call me back for, I think, eight or nine months. And then she really? called she called and I got an audition um from her and it was like season two of Turn um was coming out. We want Gentry to come to a straight producer session for this role, Billy Lee. And so I went in and I was like confident. You know, I was more confident in this one than I was the last time because I was like, they want to and you know, I had this was almost a year after I right. auditioned for her. So I had, you know, been in classes, I had been doing a lot of stuff to really like build myself. So I auditioned uh, the second season for Billy Lee and they cast me. And so it was really cool because it was just like, I had only been in that casting office uh, just that second time before I booked. And to me, that really showed me that a lot of casting directors, I won't say all, but there are casting directors out there that like truly can see an actor for what they can bring to a project. And they can bring you in directly for that whenever the time comes, instead of it being like a, oh, well, maybe they can do it. It was like, with that particular casting director, every time she called me in, I booked three jobs from her. And it was like, every time she's called me in, it's been like gentry. Like, like it was something that I felt like I could do, something that she knew I could do, but it was, she would only see me like once a year. I've only been in there four times, but I booked three of the four jobs. So it's just like, that's pretty you know, good odds, kind of man. Big that's impressive. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, so a lot, and I feel like a lot, a lot of that goes to her as well as being a good cast director. Do you think the classes you took in that year helped? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I think, I think class is really, really helpful. Um, I think it takes you out of your comfort zone a lot. A lot of teachers yeah. here in LA um, are very uh, emotion based and, you know, they definitely do a lot of stuff that makes you uncomfortable, but it's good to be uncomfortable as an actor because then the next time you're asked to do something, you'll do it that much faster, you know? Um, and I definitely recommend class. I will say the one thing about class is that, it can become a bit cultish. Um, yeah. It can become a bit, um, the the mindset sometimes I feel like people just stay in the class whenever our actual goal is to work. You know, yeah. it's not to just be like the best actor in the class or, you know, grow in the class. It was like, I want to work, you know? So when it came to classes, it was like, I wanted to find a teacher that was like adamant about us working rather than just like, you know, being the best actor, I was like, I want to be a really good actor, you know what I mean? Yeah. And that's what I strive to do. But I was like, 
I don't want to be the best actor in these four walls of like 10 people. You know what I mean? I want, I want more people to know that. So I was trying to figure out like how to be a good actor, but also learn the business of these things and how to audition because being able to act and being able to audition are two different ways. Do they teach you any of that in the classes or just they teach you how to act? Yeah, it depends on what class you take. You know, I took scene study classes, improv classes, audition technique classes, like, yeah, you know, I, because if you're an actor, it's like you, you have to have a, an array of tools to use. So you can't expect to stay in a class for five years and then be ready to go. It was like, there's so many other things you also need to be learning so that whenever you're asked to do different things, you have access to those tools. So do you think that any of those I people who around. stayed in the class forever, that they were just too scared to go audition? Or, I do. Yeah, yeah, I do think that. Um, I think, I think on one hand, I think they were, it was hard to audition, but I think they also may have focused a lot more on the acting aspect of things and less on the business side, because yeah. you have to be able to like talk to some random man or woman, you know, that's a talent agent or manager. And you have to be able to convince this person that you are worth their time, that you can make the money, you know, and if you don't have that skill or ability to like, work with somebody else in that way and, and kind of sell yourself to them, then it's like, well, then you'll just be a really good actor in, right. in your room of 10 people, you know? So it sounds a lot like yeah. photography. I think it comes down to, you have to have the ability, but you have to have a personality that can get along with people and sell yourself and make people like you. Yeah. So Absolutely. it sounds very similar to that. Yeah. 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 I think it's huge nowadays. I don't think you can get by with being the jerk anymore like you used to be able no, to. No, not, not in a lot of job fields, you know. Yeah. So it's like, and this is definitely one in which we have to be around people all the time. And even on your worst day, you have to put a smile on a lot of right. the time. So, you know, if you're not somebody that can really do that, you better be an amazing actor. Because I was like, <laughs> you know, there are actors that aren't the most personable people, you know, and that's just who they are. But I was like, at the same time, it's like, most actors are probably more personable than that. You know? I don't think you have to be, like you said, unless you're just unbelievable and can just nail that role to the yeah. point where everybody believes you're that character. Yeah. I would think you have to be because otherwise nobody yeah. wants to have to deal with you and put up with somebody who's just moody and doesn't exactly. talk to you. Whatever. What was the, um, <laughs> so when you got, when you got the role, what was the biggest thing you had to learn as far as doing a reoccurring role? Was it, was, how much more work was that? for you on a continual basis? Well, that was the first television role that I, well, that's not true. <laughs> I think I skipped something. Um, I did right. one episode. I, I was a co-star on an episode of this show called Kingdom. Uh, and I was opposite Nick Jonas. And I was think it USA? aired on the audience. I think it's on the audience something? network or something. Oh, I, no, no. I'm not. I remember I'm, hearing yeah, about it. I think I may have watched one episode, but I can't remember. Yeah, it was about like a family of like wrestlers or, or yeah, fighters okay. or something yeah, I remember like that. Seeing yeah. It, yeah, yeah. So that was actually my 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 first role, uh, but it was really small, not too much to go into it or whatever. But um, but when it came to turn, as far as recurring on there, I was just happy to be able to go back and to really be a part of like an actual story for yeah. for like my for my character's existence to matter to the story. That was really exciting. Um, you know, I played a slave, so I had an accent. 
but I'm also from the South and slavery is something that like, I don't know. I mean, I'm black, so like, you know, black people jokingly use slave accents all the time, you know, amongst <laughs> one another. So it was just like, to me, you know, I've had people ask, they were like, well, was it hard to get down the accent? And I don't know, maybe somebody can listen to it and be like, that was a terrible accent. But to me, I was like, it wasn't that hard because it's just something that I can hear. Yeah. You know, like I can, I, I just had an ear for it, but, um, but I would say like having to do that, uh, you know, learn the lines with the accents of there, there were moments where I was like, am I, is this too much? Is it, is it over the top? Does it sound corny? Does it sound real? You know, so there were, there were little challenges like that, but I think for the most part, I had a lot of fun. I it, it was more fun than anything. I wasn't really nervous. There was one. There's one episode that um, I'm kind of the focal point of in season two, and that episode was hard because I had to. I get choked by George Washington, and um, you know I had to cry a lot. And so, oh wow, you know these these scenes they shoot it over and over and over again. And so I think one of the most challenging things was is to maintain the headspace to be able to like access that again whenever they called action for the third or fourth or fifth time that we were doing it. You know, so there's dozens of people around you, you know, whenever they call cut, there's dozens of people that come around and they want to fix your hair. And, you know, I had a ponytail in that in, in that series with a little bow on it and stuff. And you know, they want to fix all of your, your things. But then you also have to be very mindful of like not losing the energy that you have for the scene so that whenever they call action in the next five minutes, you can be ready to go again. So I would just politely tell people like, you know, during this time, I'm going to like step away. If you like really need something like, you know, come on over and stuff. But I'm just going to try to like stay to myself so that I can maintain that. And everybody's like super cool with that. But that was probably like the most challenging thing is just you know, maintain the right headspace for certain scenes. Yeah, I think that would be very difficult with all those people around. Do you, are you one of these actors who you get into your character while you're shooting, but then you're just back to you when you finish shooting? Or are you one of these actors who, because I, I have a friend who was who did a lot of stuff, um, been on soaps and all that stuff, and I was talking to his wife, and she said one movie he was a serial killer. And he stays in character the whole time he's filming. And she said they were out at dinner one night and she said, listen, you got to cut the serial killer thing off because you're scaring me and the kids when you come home. So we need you to be yourself. <laughs> Real method with it. No, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not like that. No, I mean, you know, more power to those that are. But for me, I, I you know, I'm not taking it home with me necessarily. Right. There has been times wherever you know, there there are times whenever I'm in my day-to-day -day life and I kind of question, like, you know, how would Charles Jr. handle this? Or how would, you know, certain characters of mine, like, think right now? Or, you know, like, I, sometimes I'll be working out and I would be like, you know, this character, like, I was like, he would work out, like, this much harder than I probably would and stuff. So I would try to, like, bring my mind to wherever I would think that character would be in a certain scenario in my day-to-day -day life. Yeah. You know, and so so that's about the extent of it. But I was never like altering somebody's day because, you know, of a character I'm playing on a movie or TV show. Because You know, people need to live their actual lives without any of this craziness. <laughs> you know, yeah. we have enough going on as it is. So I don't need to walk outside a set and start like acting like a psychopath. 
<laughs> you know? Well, that's probably good because I've heard some actors that they, I can't remember, it was some um, Jim Carrey movie. And he wouldn't respond unless you called him by his character's name. What was it? Man yeah, in the Moon? Like, did you see that? I, I, think, I, I, think I've heard, I think I've heard of that. And he's definitely not the only one. For me, I'm like, like I said, more power to you. I'll yeah. be that actor if we were in the same project. I was like, I'll just sit in my cash chair quietly, and you can, you can do that over there right. by yourself, you know. Yeah, so, that sounds a little yeah. strange to me, but I don't know. I don't <laughs> more power act, to so. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not an actor, so I don't know. What how's um okay? The show you're doing now, it's uh, was it on? It's on Cinemax. Is that right? It's on Cinemax, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. dude. And I yeah. just canceled HBO and Cinemax. <laughs> oh man, well you you can get a week for free. It's all all the episodes are out now. So oh, cool. Okay, well I might do that then because yeah. I heard that um I've heard good things about it. Tell me the name of it again. Jet Two T. Yes. Yeah, because yeah. I've I've already heard good stuff about it, and I think actually my cable company might be having HBO. Oh no, it's Showtime. But it might be Showtime and Cinemax. I can't remember. Something's free right now. Yeah, you can watch. Yo, I but. know you. I, I know you can get Cinemax for free. Like if you have Apple TV or something like that. Like I know um, Cinemax is. You can't access it for free for a week, and then I yeah. think it's like ten dollars a month after that. And I'll be honest with you, I only had it for the duration of yeah. the first season of the show. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think you can download totally. some of that stuff too, like on um, Amazon Prime. I know that you can. That's how get, I watch it. It's through yeah. Amazon Prime. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but there's a couple ways: Amazon Prime, Hulu. Um, if you have Apple TV, I think you can, like, if you access it through like Apple TV, then it'll take you, you know, to where you need to go to access it for free. But yeah, there's a couple different ways to get it. Yeah, I'm gonna go check it out because I've heard really good things about it. Are you on season? Are they doing uh, the second season yet? We don't know yet, you know, in, in the midst. Um, uh, well, either way, I won't be back. Um, oh, yeah? But they're, yeah, I won't be back for season two, but they're still waiting to see if they get a season two. Yeah. Okay. How's this yeah. whole coronavirus thing hit you, man? Which, I mean, it's uh, everything down you know, here. You know, it's funny. Um, I think a lot of other people are probably more affected by this than actors maybe because a lot of our lifestyle is like this like this is what it is it's like if you know if you don't have a day job which i don't have you know i can be at home or i can be at the gym which i can't do right now but um i can pretty much you know my my day is pretty flexible for the most part fortunately so it's just if anything it just feels like a lack of auditions yeah. for a couple of weeks rather than anything else come back and talk to me in like two weeks and we'll see how i'm feeling <laughs> then but you know right now it just feels like oh you know i haven't had auditions for like three weeks but everything else in my life feels the same you know i don't i go i go to the gym usually five to six days a week um it's very much like my religion i enjoy right. you know that space and my time in there but uh Obviously, the gyms are closed, so I've been going to a friend of mine. Uh, he has a home gym set up in his garage, and oh, I just nice. go in there. I just open up the garage door and go in there, and, like, him and his fiance and their baby will be in the house, and I just wave through the window. So, you know, we're still quarantined. And I, and I usually bring a, a bottle of Lysol spray to spray <laughs> down everything when I finish because I was like, 
you know, I'm trying to be respectful. I don't want to get anybody to get sick and I don't want to get sick, but yeah, yeah, this has definitely affected us. I mean, this is, this is Hollywood here. And so our whole, everything we do is based on like being around other people and like, you know, having meetings and shooting things. And, you know, just like I said, with turn, it was like, in in that scene that I was in, there's only two people in the scene, but there's like 14 people surrounding right, us. Yeah. So there's no way to really like do anything industry related right now. Um, but I think this has also brought a lot of peace. Like, you know, my talent manager, I think he's, um, I, I he seems a lot more like settled, but I think, you know, he just texted me yesterday and said, you know, I, I don't think I realized how much I loved working. And I was like, I think it's good for us to have these moments. I think we're we're learning a lot about ourselves during this time. Um, I also think it's probably cut down on like war talk as well, yeah. you know, things like that. I was like, because we're all going yeah. through it, and so I was like, as, as terrible as this all is, I was like, there is some beauty to be found from it, you know. I think you're so, right. Yeah, I agree. And yeah. I even heard my youngest daughter the other day say she missed school, and yeah, which you know, I was blown away to hear that. But yeah, she was like, yeah. I miss school. I miss going to school and seeing my friends and being around them. And yeah. I think this gave us, I think this gave a lot of people a very unexpected um, break from their lives in a lot of ways. You know, and I know this has made a lot of people's lives a lot harder. Um, so it's hard for me to be like, oh, this is, you know, a really good thing. But there is good that can be found from it at the same time, I guess. Do you get to... Um file for unemployment and all that when you're in between jobs? Um, I have been told I can. I never have in between jobs, but uh, I have definitely thought about it recently, you know. Um, but but no, I, I haven't done it in between jobs. Because I've heard, um, I was listening to something the other day and there were some actors were talking, they were saying how, these are older actors, how they would, in between jobs, every job, as soon as the job ended, they went and filed for unemployment. And I don't yep, know if maybe lot. unemployment's changed and you can't do that no, anymore. No. You can still do no, that. You can. Yeah. You totally can. Because I mean it's it's job to job. And because we don't know where our next job is coming from, we're technically unemployed. So yeah. you know, not even technically, you're literally unemployed. So yeah. somebody we were talking about on set one day and somebody said, I wonder if those actors who are getting like twenty million for a, a picture, if when the picture's over, they're like, oh, I need unemployment. <laughs> Oh man, I feel like the paperwork for under, the paperwork for unemployment for an actor is so difficult in comparison because it's like you have multiple jobs, you have residual checks, so you have to, you know, you have multiple like W twos and ten ninety nine, like you have so many different pieces of oh, paperwork, yeah. you know, that you have to turn in versus like, oh, I only have this one job at this one place, and I'll just, you know, it's it's so much more. So a lot of times, I think if you have twenty million dollars you might not it's care not about worth the effort the, yeah the 450 a week or however much it is so yeah oh yeah. they're giving you an extra 600 a week now just like, well, and that's yeah. why i was kind of thinking about it myself so <laughs> i had a friend who's he's an assistant and um he tried to get it here and he said they denied him but i don't know he's, wow i don't know why i'm just still trying to figure out why they denied him because he should, he gave him 1099s from last year and then and i don't think he worked i think he only worked a few days this year but um, yeah. I don't know what the deal is. It's but, tough. Okay. Yeah. I was trying to get the, um, I'm an LLC and a partnership. So there's, mm -hmm. there's that paycheck something loan that you can get. Yeah. So I was going to try and get that and 
my bank's Wells Fargo and they've already, they cut it off. They're supposed to call Did me they? as soon as they were available and I didn't get a phone call and I called on Monday because they were supposed to start on Friday. I never got a phone call. So I called Monday morning and they cut it off on Sunday. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Cause I'm, I'm incorporated myself and that's what my, um, you know, my tech guy, he was, he was saying something about that, but I'm with Wells Fargo too. So I guess we're in the same boat. Yeah. So I went to like, um, cabbage or nav or something and filled it out. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not basically, you just have to show your articles of incorporation and something yeah. else. It doesn't seem too difficult, but getting the money may be, mm -hmm. I don't know. So last question, dude, tell me what's the most interesting thing or strangest thing that's happened to you since you've been out in LA and you started doing the whole <laughs> acting thing? Oh man. Um, <laughs> I'll say it, probably something that stands out presently is um, the TV show that I just did, Jet. Uh, you know, going back to just the journey of an actor and how vast it can be. I I was on Jet and I play a character named Charles Jr. But my father's name obviously is Charles and it's played by Giancarlo Esposito. Um, Esposito, gotta get that right. And uh, yeah, um, so Giancarlo played my dad on the show, but when I was 16 in North Carolina, Giancarlo was directing, I think his first feature film, and I was an extra in his movie. And so 12 years later, really? I was playing his son on television. So I think it's probably the craziest thing that's ever happened. On top of the fact that the woman starring the TV show with the guy that's playing my dad is like the mom from Spy Kids and the kid in me yeah. is losing my mind. And I told her, I was like, <laughs> Carla, I'm going to be honest with you. Spy Kids was kind of a big deal for me and I'm just really grateful to be here. <laughs> she just thought that was so sweet. You know, she's probably one of the sweetest, sweetest people. One of the sweetest really, that's people. that's good to hear. Yeah, like, like genuinely her, I mean, that whole project was probably one of the most exciting things and one of the most fulfilling jobs that I've been able to do. Um, but I got to say, Giancarlo playing my dad 12 years later is a pretty That's big a trip, deal. That's, it's a that trip, man. It's a trip. Yeah. Yeah. I remember how I, how I locked on to the fact that like I was even meeting him when I was 16 because I knew who he was before when I was 16. So, you know, to be 29 at the time and to play his son and to be able to tell him like, Hey, I was in gospel Hill. <laughs> yeah, dude, <laughs> It was a pretty big deal. That's very cool. So yeah. since you're not in season two, does that mean you get killed off? I don't know. Have to, watch. <laughs> have, to, have to watch it and figure it out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, dude, thank you so much for doing this. It was great catching up with you and seeing you. And, um, Hey, next time in LA, I'll, I'll hit you up. Maybe we can go grab you lunch should, or dinner yeah. or something. Yeah. I'm around. Sounds good, man. Well, thank you very much for doing this, dude. And, uh, yes. Anybody watching, listening to the whole, this whole podcast, please thumbs up, like it, share it, subscribe to it, all that kind of stuff. And, uh, we'll keep on doing it. So thank all you guys for watching. Thank you again, Gentry, That's for right. doing it. See you guys later. Yeah. Stay healthy.